0 for 19 with runners in scoring position. That's not a stat you would typically hear out of a professional major league baseball team. But unfortunately, that's the stat that the Red Sox offense produced as they dropped both games of the doubleheader against the Yankees on Tuesday. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Red Sox, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut, former ESPN social media associate and current host of the Boston Balling Podcast, here to bring you the latest in all things Boston Red Sox, Monday through Friday, straight to your favorite podcast feed for free. Honestly, we need free with how this team is playing right now, but Thank you for making Lockdown Red Sox your first listen of every day. Don't forget SiriusXM has you covered for the home broadcast of all Red Sox games. Just download the SXM app and search Red Sox and all the home broadcasts will be there for your convenience so you don't have to miss a single pitch of Red Sox baseball. Although when they drop two games of a doubleheader, you might want to miss pitches of the those games. Yes, I did say it. The Red Sox lost both games of Tuesday's doubleheader against the Yankees. They went 0 for 19 with runners in scoring position in the series. 0 for 19. You know, this team's been just way too up and down this season. And I asked myself whether I should talk about the good news or the bad news first on today's show and I thought it might make sense to trickle in the good news with the bad news and I'm going to start with the good news because I want to start today's show with some positivity because the Red Sox don't always give us that positivity but being positive in life is just so important but Raphael Devers is officially part of the 30 home run club again Another 30 home run season for him. He's actually only the third Boston Red Sox player in history with three 30-plus home run seasons before turning 27. Who are the other two players in that category? Legends, Ted Williams and Jim Rice. I mean, we're just talking serious legends here. And Raphael Devers joined that. He did crush a home run in the first game on Tuesday against the Yankees. That man loves hitting against that team. Let me tell you, he just loves playing against New York. He always crushes them. In his career, he bats 259 with 96 hits, 24 home runs, 62 RBIs, and 60 runs scored over 98 games he's played versus the Yankees in his career. I mean, talk about legitimate numbers. They don't like facing him. I can't say I blame them. I mean, he's Devers. He has this serious potential to maybe be a Hall of Fame player one day, David Ortiz Jr. And on the season, a lot of people have kind of been ratting on him for the season that he's having, but he's really not having a bad season. He's batting 272 right now with a 344 on base percentage and 30 home runs. 
there's not much more you can really ask for from him. If he's going to hit a lot of home runs, he's not going to have a batting average that's over 300 consistently. It's just hard to have that good balance of everything, and that's what the best players really do. Um, in the rarest of the rare players that are just exceptional talents. But Devers is doing what he's supposed to be doing. He is a power bat. You know, he will drive runs in. He has gotten his fair share of base hits on the season and been able to drive in a lot of runs. So the people who are saying Devers is not having a good season – I understand why you might feel that way because when you sign a big contract in the way Devers did, you're automatically expected to just have this star-studded season where all of your offensive stats are up to par. But he's really overall having a pretty good season. For the majority of the season, his batting average has been slightly below 300. His highest batting average was the season of the season was, um, you know, in April to early on when he was batting around 343. On April 8th, he was batting 343, which is his highest batting average of the season. Overall, since then, he's been trickling around a 250 batting average with it currently standing at that 272 number. If he can keep that batting average going and put together these seasons that he's having that creates for an overall good hitter. He has 93 RBIs. So what more can you really expect from somebody who's supposed to be your leader and your face of your franchise? They spent a lot of money on Devers, but it was money well spent. Don't just look at the batting average to determine how good of a season he's actually having. He has been hitting and contrary to what some might believe He's been hitting in games that are not just against the Yankees, too. Yes, he's produced his best games of the season against New York, which is fantastic to watch as a Red Sox fan. But that doesn't mean he's not hitting against anybody else. Those 93 RBIs have not all come against the Yankees. He can do a variety of different things. He has an 846 OPS. Um, and you know Devers, you know, he'll get locked in and he'll get in the zone. He'll hit really well for a couple games and then – he won't hit and it comes back into, oh, he's inconsistent. He can't um, be a con constant factor, reliable source for this team. Um, but in the re in reality, at the end of the day, I take Devers with a 270 batting average, 30 home runs and 93 RBIs any day of the week. He's going to get on base. He's going to make contact with the ball, and he's going to find a way to drive in runs. And ultimately, how many players in baseball can say they're able to do that pretty consistently? Because keep in mind that this is the third season that Devers has hit 30-plus home runs. That's difficult to do. This is a star in the making. Rafael Devers is a star in the making. He's so close to, I feel, being at his full potential with the Red Sox. I truly don't think this is the top for him and that this is his peak. I think there's still more from him. But if you really break down the numbers, he's a star in the making and there's nothing else to it. Would you rather have somebody like Trevor Story who can't make contact if, you know, it was all that 
he could do? Like if that was the only option for him and he still can't make contact, would you prefer that? Devers is a good player. The narratives have to end of the fact that he's not having a good season. And I am proud of him for hitting that 30th home run. He always needs to play the Yankees to get back on track. I swear. He's now going to go on another tear this month. I said on the show he was going to have a big second half. He has had a very good second half, and he's been very consistent and one of the Red Sox most consistent hitters. And that's exactly what he's supposed to be doing. And I'm glad he was able to find himself again because early on in the season, um, you know, there was a period of time where he was just really not hitting well. And people were starting to wonder, is he going to be worth that money? Was this contract a mistake? So all I can say is go Devers recording his 30th home run. Not really much else you can ask for from him. He is a star in the making and I'm excited to see what he can do moving forward with this team. Coming up, I'm going to be talking about the absolute pathetic showing of an offense, whatever that was that the Red Sox brought to the double header on Tuesday in both games. They just could not get that big hit or get the offense going at all. So I'm going to be discussing that next. Sports betting is the best and it's so much fun. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I say it all the time, but FanDuel truly is the best sports betting app, and you can use that LockedOn code, and it'll open up so many opportunities for you. I'm telling you, your life will be so much better. Trust me. What was the offensive display that the Red Sox brought to the table in that doubleheader against the Yankees? Absolutely pathetic showing. 0 for 19 with runners in scoring position. They stranded eight base runners in game one and more than eight base runners in game two. This is just so unbelievably frustrating that this offense can be physically as hot and cold as they are. When you take a team like the Red Sox and their biggest strength all season has been their offense, and they're going up against a bullpen who half the relievers we haven't even heard of and haven't pitched since pre-COVID and are trying to find their game, and the Red Sox can't do squat, you've got to be kidding me. The only word I can use to think of that is pathetic. And there's nobody else to blame for that except the players. You can't blame Alex Cora. He's not out there swinging the bat for them, stranding those base runners, not being able to get that big hit, making poor decisions when you're at the plate. Heim Bloom isn't out there swinging the bats for them. The players need to take responsibility when it's on them. And in this case, it was on them. In game one, Alex Verdugo, oh my gosh. The Red Sox had the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth inning with one out. Yankees closer Clay Holmes walked three straight batters, three, could not find the strike zone, had only thrown five strikes in the inning, and the Red Sox had the bases loaded due to those three 
runners being or those three batters being walked. And what does Alex Verdugo do? Comes up to the plate, swings at the first pitch, and grounds into a game-ending double play. <laughs> I mean, you can't make this up. This is the 2023 Red Sox in a nutshell. What are you thinking, dude? Your team has the bases loaded with one out, and this pitcher has not shown that he can throw strikes, and you're just going to give it to him by swinging at the first pitch that you see? Take at least one pitch, my guy. This is why I get so irritated with Verdugo sometimes. Like, what are you thinking, buddy? Here's another reason, again, why I think he'll be traded in the offseason. There's a whole lot of things that he just has not done well this season for the Red Sox. And I've defended him for so long. And his first half of the season was incredibly valuable to this team. And in the second half, he declined significantly. And I was hoping it was only a slump. And then it started to appear more and more like it wasn't. But the Red Sox had that game. I would have bet lots of money if he had given it a pitch and waited it out and had a patient at bat. The Red Sox win that game 100%, a thousand times over. And that is what's so irritating. And that's the game they needed to win because then they go into game two. And again, the offense does nothing. It was another pathetic showing. I'm looking at the bottom of the seventh inning. Rafaela hit a double. And that kid has played his absolute heart out. One of the positives to take away from this doubleheader is he, for one, hit his first major league home run, absolutely crushed a ball to the monster in the first inning of the second game on Tuesday, on the first pitch that he saw. The first pitch that the team was given, he crushed it into the seats. No more scoring after that for the Red Sox. Absolutely pathetic. Happy that Rafaela hit his first home run in a Boston Red Sox uniform at the major league level. And his plate discipline has really come a long way. But in the seventh inning, when he crushed that leadoff double, leadoff doubles usually score about 70% of the time, maybe a little bit more than that. What do the Red Sox do? Not score. Abreu came in to pinch hit for Ref Snyder and actually put up a competitive at-bat. I will give him that put up a competitive at bat and then aligned it, but it happened to go right to the second baseman. Easily would have been a base hit up the middle and scored the run. So that was just a bummer because it just happened to go right to the second baseman. And he was thrown out at first, but at least he still advanced the runner. That's still productive. He still got Rafaela to third base, but then Justin Turner comes up and has an absolute waste of an at bat pathetic pop out to first base. That's really what did it for me. I was like, you've got to be kidding me right now. They're about to strand this runner and waste a leadoff double. And then Casas walked, which was pretty good. And then Duvall actually put up a really competitive eight pitch at bat after that and ended up striking out. But at least it was a competitive at bat. Turner didn't even put up a fight and had a weak pop up uh, to first base. Can't make it up. Like I said, and then even again, in the bottom of the eighth inning, Trevor Story reached on an infield single, and um, I really respected his hustle down that first baseline, and then he ended up at second on a wild pitch, so with a runner in scoring position at that point, 
I thought Pablo Reyes was going to bunt, which he should have done to advance Story to third. But nope, ground out to third. Doesn't get the job done. Story can't advance. They bring in Devers to pinch it for Urias, which I was pumped about to see him in the batter's box. But then, of course, Aaron Boone decided to intentionally walk Devers because obviously, you know, Rafael Devers owns the Yankees. Um, so they intentionally walked him, and then Connor Wong struck out, and then Rafaela lined out to second. But it's little things like that where it's like when they have runners on base, there's always that one at bat that's just so pathetic that it ruins it. Turner's at bat in that situation was pathetic. Pablo Reyes at bat, not so much pathetic, but more so just not thinking about the smart thing to do in that situation, which would have been to bunt. And it was just an overall pathetic showing. I was annoyed earlier in the game because Story hit a grounder um, to the infield, and then he ran to first base and looked safe to me at first base. And then they showed the replay, and the first baseman's foot was off the bag. So Story should have been safe, and he was trying to tell the Red Sox dugout this, but everybody ignored him, and they just didn't even bother to challenge it. It was like a weak ground ball that went right to the pitcher, and Story was trying to bunt on, essentially. And I saw it in replay when he got to first base, the foot of the first baseman was not touching the bag. So he was safe. The Red Sox should have challenged it. So that was another issue in the game because, um, you know, they could have had two runners on with nobody out instead of one on with one out. So different scenarios here leading up to this. But at the end of the day, the Red Sox had a pathetic offensive display overall. um, And they could not get the runners to advance um, and that unfortunately is just on them. They need to take full responsibility. And now the best thing we can hope for is a split in this series, win the next two. But if their offense is this pathetic, then they won't. They simply just won't. This was a winnable game. Both games were. And the fact that Boston could not drive in any of those runners that were left on base is incredibly concerning. None. So many opportunities against pitchers that are not even that good, and they could not score. Sad, sad narrative, and the Red Sox need to wear it because this is their fault and their responsibility. Coming up, I'm going to be talking about the roster moves that were made on Tuesday and how it impacts the Red Sox um, moving forward because it definitely is, um, you know, a relatively big, impactful move. Modern medical care and treatment are important, but our global supply chains are fragile. Things like pandemics, natural disasters, and foreign travel may cut you off from the treatment you need. Jace Medical is your solution. Just fill out our online form and one of our board-certified physicians will review it to determine whether medications are safe and appropriate. Then they send your prescriptions to one of our partner pharmacies where your Jace order will be filled and mailed directly to your home. And not only this, but you can send your physician a message for answers to treatment-related questions anytime. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. 
That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. So this Red Sox offense was super pathetic in the doubleheader versus the Yankees. I mean, simply put, there's not really anything else to it. And I wish I could say something more positive, but that just wasn't the case. The positive in this doubleheader and what we can take away from it is the plate discipline displayed by the younger players, um, such as Emmanuel Valdez, Sedani Rafaela, um, Willier Abreu, those newer younger guys who have been called up recently all showed great plate discipline in that they put up competitive longer at bats and got themselves on base. And that's exactly what they need to do to succeed at the big level and in the professional um, leagues, really, you need to be able to put up competitive at bats and show that you're not afraid to be aggressive, but you can also sit back until you get your pitch. So I was proud of those Red Sox for being able to show that ability. And Manuel Valdez was one of those players who was in that group, but he was sent back down to AAA on Tuesday because Pablo Reyes returned from the injured list. He played in the second game on Tuesday, um, second game of the double header. He took two at-bats and drew two walks. Uh, So essentially, you know, the Yankees pitchers kind of pitched around him a little bit. Reyes is a great hitter. I've always been a fan of him. I've been saying this for so long. He's batting 303 right now with 18 RBIs and a 340 on base percentage. One thing I love about Reyes is that versatility. He hits to a lot of different parts of the ballpark. And um, when he gets on base, He's not afraid to look for those stealing opportunities. Um, and he's constantly moving around and constantly bringing an energy and spark to the Red Sox. I'm a huge Reyes fan. I knew when he was coming back up that they would either send Valdez or um, Rafaela back down to AAA. I knew there was a possibility for either. And ultimately, you know, they chose to send Valdez back down. I think Valdez has a lot of potential, but I think Rafaela has more potential. The thought process to me with Valdez is he could be a trade piece this offseason. It's been very clear that the Red Sox need pitching help desperately in this upcoming offseason. And if they want to move a couple pieces, I definitely think Verdugo should be traded this offseason. There isn't really a reason to keep him at this point, especially with how Abreu and Rafaela have played since being called up. So I think it would be wise for them to look into trading Verdugo, like I've been saying for a while now. And I think Valdez is somebody you think to package in there because the Red Sox are full of young infield talent. And once you get players like, um, you know, Marcelo Meyer coming up, or Rafaela can platoon in the infield and outfield, and even David Hamilton, who people forget about, but didn't have enough exposure to playing in AAA before being called up this year, was rushed a little bit. 
there's a lot of talent in the system right now at the infield level. So the question becomes, would you rather keep Valdez in your system or would you rather try to move him because he is talented and package him in with somebody to get some good pitching this offseason? I think it's definitely something to look into because from what I've seen from Valdez, yes, he's talented. Does he still need to work on some things? Yes, but he's shown serious potential since being called up. And I think teams would jump on that if the Red Sox were to put together that a package that includes him. I think other teams would jump on it for sure, and they'd be silly not to, um, because he's a young talent that can provide value to another organization um, or here if he stays here. So that's a name that I could see maybe being a trade piece. That could be why they decided to send him back down to AAA. But ultimately, they kept Rafaela up, which I'm happy about. He needs more exposure. I've been saying this, and it seems like ever since I talked about it on the show the other day, him playing more, they've played him more in the outfield, too. And it's almost like, wow, did they listen to my podcast? Because all of a sudden, now Rafaela's playing more this week. Um, he needs time to develop, really showcase his skills, figure out whether he's going to be an infielder or an outfielder moving forward. I think they could play around with the possibility of playing Rafaela at second base sometimes to see how he does there, because then if he can play that well, then you know you can play him at shortstop, second base, or in center. It's a good problem to have. So that's ultimately to me why I think they sent Valdez back down. I think they really see potential with Rafaela in this organization. So they want to keep him up in the majors so that he can continue to develop in that way. And then obviously Reyes will just be up now for the rest of the season, which we knew he was going to be coming back. The question for me really was just which of those two younger players was going to get sent back down to AAA upon his return. And they decided to go with Valdez. Do we see Valdez again? Was that the last of him probably for this season, but his future is up for determination still. And whether the Red Sox see him as part of the future, we'll find out soon enough. But all I can say right now is, yes, this team makes me very, very angry. And yes, they are making me absolutely miserable on this Wednesday morning. But I hope you at least try to have a good day. Maybe go outside if it's nice out where you are. Get some fresh air. Just enjoy doing other things besides thinking about this baseball team in Boston because there's plenty of time to do that tonight when they play game three of the series against the Yankees that they absolutely have to win because they are now currently tied for last place in the AL East with the Yankees, which by the way, at one point they were like eight games ahead of New York. And now they're tied for last place because the Red Sox just have not played good baseball as of late. And it's them going back into their old ways. So all we can do is just Hope and pray that they can end this series on a high note and pull off a split. I'd be feeling really good if that happened. So keep the faith or at least try to. I know it's hard, but at least try to and I'll be with you. I'll stick with you. Keep the faith. Go Red Sox and I will catch you on the flip side.